And this uh, this tap water from home has like I can I can taste like the chemicals in it. I grew up on well water, so natural mountain spring oh water or whatever. Well, I mean, I'm sure at some point that water was in the mountains. It used to bother me when, and I understand the reason why why there's expiration dates on water bottles. Right. I have to assume it's because of like chemical leaching from the plastic from the or plastic. something. Yeah, yeah. I think but probably. The, the actual yeah. water itself is not, that water is like millennia old. Oh, yeah. Um, hey, Andrew, welcome to our podcast. Thank you. Thank welcome you. to Z, Z DevOps Talks with uh, Chris and Chris. I'm not Sorry, doing it this were... time. I'm not doing <laughs> this time. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Chris is on dad time right now. I don't think, I think he, I think he, you, you, you've been up all night, basically. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah until about five thirty, six, yeah. six thirty in the morning. It's yeah. just gonna keep getting it's later. Pure dedication. Yeah. It's gonna cover up partying, is it? Oh no, no. <laughs> well, she is a party. Yeah, let okay. me tell you. But no, she's perfect. Don't. Just formula, right? Yeah, just okay. but, uh, formula one. Uh, sure, yeah, formula. That, don't say formula one, man. <laughs> don't say formula one to me right now. They postponed. Oh right. Monaco's right. canceled, man. For the what? first time in like 25 years, Monaco's canceled. It's in April, right, or something, or uh, yeah, it was. Springtime. Yeah, it was in yeah, it was in April. Yeah, exactly. My like, friends and I were thinking about going next year, so oh I hope they don't cancel next I year. I really hope not, man, because I mean that's that's the race. But yeah, no, being at Monaco. Oh mm. my god. In the event that this stays in the podcast, I should clarify that Monaco is still there. Yes, Monaco, <laughs> the place is not canceled. Monaco as a independent country just a, yeah it is yeah i don't know if it's a it's um they speak it's their a, it's a kingdom i think they speak their own language there Did it's like this, this weird version of french or something yes yeah. french and russian yeah. kind of yeah yeah frushing yeah gotta take a side of fries with that frushing please <laughs> um oh before i go any further i should say um by the time first of all thank you for joining us in the um you know in 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 in, in light of everything that's going on I'm sure we're probably reaching you at home. You've probably been quarantined for however many days now. So we appreciate you listening. Mm -hmm. um, by the time that this airs, and actually right now as we're recording, um, our podcast is now on iTunes Podcasts, Google Ooh. Podcasts, yes. Spotify, okay. and Anchor FM. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. And we'll, we will still continue to uh, host on um the mainframe developer website. Yeah, developer.ibm.com. It, it's going to be a lot more convenient to listen on the go. We'll be porting over all of our uh, current episodes for season one and beginning season two. We will have everything on there from the get-go. So Absolutely. Get out there, subscribe, rate us, listen. Comment. Comment. Okay. So we're here with Andrew Tram. Um, I think your most recent, your most recent role is... is Advisory software and DevOps release engineer for IBM developer for ZOS. Is that? Yeah, it's a mouthful. And yeah. I guess that's my title. That's what they decide to pay me and give me the title with. That's good. I think it's like uh, the longer the title, the more important it is. I think you should add in like a, out. a lord and baron or something. It you makes know? me feel good. Esquire yeah. at the end. That's yeah. The next time you go to Monaco, people will look at you like, oh, wow. Um, well, it won't be this year. Come no. on. So um, I also saw that it, somewhere else I found it's a software developer, ZDevOps, or ZDevOps release engineer for the IBM developer for ZOS and then I, IBM developer for Z Systems. That's kind of the same, right? That's oh, yeah. The, yeah, yeah, okay. It's absolutely right, the same. same. All right. And then it, we've also got IBM Z Open Development, IPM, IBM Z Open Unit Test, and then IBM rational developer for system C. So the those two open products are those 
Are those like a suite? Are those kind of, are those similar? The open development, open unit test? They're like sub offerings of IDZ. Okay. So like Z open development is a smaller version of IDZ. It's more contained and more streamlined. Okay. Uh, Z open unit test is kind of like an extension offering Z unit that uh, a customer can buy and install on top of their um, Eclipse or any other uh, Aqua product. Okay. And then Aqua, Aqua product. Uh, give me the give me the the four one one on that real quick. It's Aqua like a, product. A bunch of IBM Rational or used to be Rational. A bunch of IBM Eclipse based products. Yeah, I, I can't name them all. There's like thirty ish or something. Okay. I mean, there's ZOS, uh, IBM ZOS, ZOS Explorer, uh, Data Studio. Not an IBM product, but um, tons of stuff on yeah, there. Yeah, Kix Explorer. Yeah, uh, FAFM. Okay, yeah. so that's fault analyzer, analyzer, and file, and manager. file manager. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so me as a customer, like I would go visit this Aqua site, right? Yeah, it's or, on mainframe dev, which yeah. I think they're migrating, or I heard they were, but they are. Okay, okay. So I don't know where it's down going to south be. for the winter. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. the, the the climate is more forgiving. So that's uh, it's a good one. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, no, Chris laughs at my jokes, but he's so he's so exhausted. He's right a guy. Um, he's a guy. So, uh, so I'm a, I'm a customer. I go to the Aqua site, and I, and what, what's what's it's explain to me. Can you explain to me like I'm Eli five? Eli five me. Explain it like I'm five. Oh, okay. Oh, so, yeah, so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he got he got one out of me for that one. Yeah, it's pretty early in the morning. I mean, what, what are you doing to me? Uh, <laughs> I've, I've, I've been up since like five thirty yeah. without a kid. Yeah. yeah, and I've been up until five thirty. Yeah, I'm enough. With a, I'm, I'm so enough between the two of us, it's yeah. just a twenty four hour operation around here. So Aqua, I mean, give me the give me the skinny on that. How does that whole process work or how that whole system yeah. works so you go to mainframe dev and like pretty much the landing page you'll see like a download downloads link yeah you drill down on that and that's this is where you see like 30-ish products yeah and halfway in the middle you're gonna see IBM developer developer for ZOS which mm. is IDZ something we renamed it about a year ago <laughs> right and we'll probably rename it again but who uh, knows? <laughs> I can't wait I can't wait <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, it's always an adventure renaming the entire product because it's only a few hundred strings, few thousand maybe. Oh, geez. And I was going to say, it started out as WSDZ, yep, right? Yep. And then it moved to Rational Developer. Yep. Then it moved to IBM Developer for, wait. For Z Systems? For Z Systems. Oh, right, so this right. is... Then it became okay. IBM Developer for ZOS. Okay, so what I have here is like this reverse chronological yep. list. Yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah. So okay. I, I listed out to make my see, myself seem more impressive, right? <laughs> it makes it seem like I work on a lot of things, but really just one. So listen, really man, I'd buy it for a dollar. <laughs> um, that's great. So, okay, so we're midway down this list. We've seen I, I, IBM Developer for Z, mm -hmm. uh, but it's ZOS, but it, it's many products. We're just using this one as a, yeah. as a proxy, basically. So, okay, so then what? So... Uh, you have two options. Uh, you have an IM installation manager option mm -hmm. and a P2 option, which is more of like a self-contained Eclipse product. Um, and this is on F Eclipse 4.6 base. And you have the option to download one of the two. And depending on your route, if you choose the IM route, you'll have to install and download and install installation manager, which mm -hmm. is kind of like a install shell. Okay. Install these other products. Oh, so it's like a client that you download yeah, that you do everything client. through. Yep. Okay, cool. And then the P P2 is kind of like downloading Eclipse like normally and then unpacking it somewhere on your file system and then launching it. So it's kind of like an easier, faster way. Okay. So this is like a new, P2 is a newer thing that we've introduced. 
in September last year. Oh, wow. So yeah, very, are, very new. Are, are we, I, I feel like, is, is that like the preferred method is P2 now? Is, is For me, It seems yes. like it's simpler to, yeah. yeah. Uh, but the only problem is that not a whole lot of products within the stack have adopted it quite yet. Okay. I mean, we're getting there, yeah. but it's just, it's a work in progress. Right. It's, it's a lot to migrate from one to the other. Okay. But that's the end goal would be to oh, get yeah. everything over to me. Yeah. Okay. It's much easier. Okay. So, so I am is, I don't know if I'm saying this correctly, but I am would be looked at it like as the, the, the legacy way of, of doing this installation yeah, exactly. that we want to. Okay, cool. Okay. Yeah. So I feel like P2 is what we call like a lot of applications elsewhere. Do you have right. like a wizard almost right? Yep, Where, exactly. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Now that being said, this is the problem space that we are in with mainframe and with mainframe clients, mm. which I shouldn't, I should redact that and say, this is the unique situation that we're in because a lot of companies, I don't know if you're running into this, but a lot of my clients that I'm working with, the IDZ education, right? Mm -hmm. They're absolutely still using installation manager sure, yep. just because that's, and I think that's one of the main reasons why we still support it is because that's the way that a lot of these companies are doing it because they tend to be a year to five years behind the curve just because of the amount of, you know, bureaucracy and the amount of vetting and, um, you know, uh, trial and test and stuff like that to get these products into their shop, right. which no one can really be that mad at, right? Because, I mean, you know, look at the sectors that we touch, financials, we do, you know, healthcare, you know, shipping and, and, and transit, like big, 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 big companies that really can't just bring any product in like they have to make sure especially for the mainframe if it's going to work because the majority of the money that they are making for their bottom line is somehow touched by the mainframe right yep yeah and it depends on what version you're using of idz so anything below 14.2 uh won't have that p2 option so we have 14.1 that's still available mm -hmm. but there are many clients that still want to use 14.1 14.0 9.5 i mean oh wow yeah exactly right why why would why uh why? Why would why would we want to? Because there's so many more cap there. I mean, with each new continuous delivery update, there are more and more capabilities. Yeah, more features, so, so, more refined. What? So why would um, you know? Why would a customer want to? Why would a customer stay on an older version? What do you think? Do I you, guess migrating their shop or like mm -hmm. upgrading would be a huge effort. Gotcha. And like Chris mentioned, I mean, it would just the downtime or the possible of a downtime right. would be too expensive. But. P two mm -hmm. can P P two can like expedite that, right? Yeah. I or think is so. it more than just the P two download? Is it there's like configurations and customizations? I mean, yeah, and, there are more pieces to it. I mean, it is just an easier way to install and set up a product. Right. Um, so you're saving time there, but even even migrating to P two is no easy feat per se. Right. Okay. Yeah, and it's one of those things where it's not the installation manager itself that's the crux of the whole the whole issue. Yeah. It's just that's how it was done. Okay. You know what I mean? Um, okay. Sorry. I do have one question, though. Sure. I yes. actually have lots of questions, though, actually. That Chris is great for questions, though. This is the thing. Like, his questions every episode just shock me. Like, how do you... He'd be... He's the best host. He, he, number one host. 2020. Chris Hoyna. Number, number one host in this room. That's oh, right. I'm going to take that. job interview right now. I'll that's take that. For it. Yeah, this yeah. is all part of his resume. This is going yeah. in the portfolio. Um, can you play Careless Whisper? On the saxophone? Uh, it's been a long time. I think if I attempted it 
as far as muscle memory goes, yeah, I can probably figure it out in a minute or two. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what 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 uh, what kind of sacks? Well, hold on, hold on. I want to guess. Oh, okay. I watched some videos of you of the uh, what? Yeah, I watched, see what I I'm saying, videos, Andrew? I like of Andrew, the, listen, uh, he, Andrew is, Let me let me just. I don't Andrew like is this. part of the East Carolina University University Jazz Jazz Ensemble. Not not the B Ensemble, but the A Ensemble. <laughs> nice. Okay. All right, I just want to read a little bit about this before we answer this question. So this is a, it's an award winning. Uh, jazz ensemble at East Carolina University. This select touring group of the ECU University of Music Jazz Studies program. Uh, the, the ensemble has earned international recognition as one of the premier university jazz, jazz ensembles from the state of North Carolina. All right, that's the. I have to say that's very impressive for one. That is extremely okay. impressive. That's the. Uh, that's the description for the. A jazz ensemble, okay? Oh, that entire thing I read. I want to read you the description for the B jazz ensemble, okay? okay. <laughs> Hold on, I got a jazz ensemble B. Ready? The lab band for jazz studies. Oof. That I just did a mic drop. That is the, that was, I mean, come on. That big, is just night and day. Big oof, anyway, bud. All right, to answer the question... Uh, tell me if I'm, I'm. I I actually had to research the different types of uh, saxophones and based off did. of what I saw everybody like playing. This dude's a machine. And the and the to the best of like that I can tell, I do not think it's a bass or contrabass because that would be too large. To the best that I can tell, what you were playing was a um, baritone saxophone. Yeah, that is what I played. Wow, in the that is impressive. Nice that is a, man. That took way too long to figure out. Goodness, <laughs> though, that's a and that's a tough one, man. That's my primary. Oh, okay. I had to play Barry because that was kind of like my go-to, I guess, for the band as right. far as jazz. jazz um, that's dude. You need lungs for Barry. Oh yeah. Like, wow, dude. This was on the tail end of my swimming career because I swam oh, for a long time. So nice. I, I guess I had lungs for it as well. Nice. <laughs> cool. Wow. Musicians um, in IT. There is absolutely a link. I'm exactly, just saying. Exactly. Did you start your swimming career at Broad Run High School? No, I started when I was like five, so, you know, <laughs> some elementary school at the time, Ashburn Elementary School. Okay. Listen, don't you know. don't need background checking websites. Just hit up Chris yeah. Hoyna. He'll find it. I mean, I did swim there. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Wow. I, you know how it started me on this whole thing? His, his his phone number starts with 703. That's the area code. I was mm. like, what's 703? Ashburn, Virginia. Oh, Actually, no, it's Northern Virginia. And I was like, okay. oh, let me do some cross-referencing here. And then I kind of went down this rabbit hole. Yeah. Hope you didn't find illegal records or criminal <laughs> records. No, I don't have access to that. You know, I was a police officer in a past life. I don't have access to that stuff anymore. So dang, it's a little unfair. It's um, <laughs> not for our guests. It's not. Yeah. So you okay? So we already established you went to ECU. You studied computer science and you minored in music performance. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We had Caleb Mustafa Porter in here um, a few a few weeks ago and he i believe he studied computer science as well yeah. i can't remember what school he went to but fsu F okay yep. yeah that's right tallahassee right yeah. um and he said that that was he was he said that studying computer science is um maybe not compulsory for the type of work that he's doing but he did note he did mention that like the operating system courses and some of the algorithmic algorithm courses were very very helpful do you share the similar sentiments with that? Helpful classes. Like so, what, like, do you think you could have made it this far with what you're doing without that formal education? That's that's question one. I think the formal education helped me get my foot in the door. Mm -hmm. I think without it, I don't think anybody would have taken me seriously. Okay. Um, as far as what it taught me in schooling, I mean, it was important only because 
I paid for it, and <laughs> it had to yeah. be in poor. <laughs> yeah. Um, I really can't remember a lot of the things I learned at the time. I mean, I've only graduated like seven years ago, so it's okay. not a terrible amount of time. It's maybe I just have a bad memory. Um, I guess one of Me the too. more important classes is probably a database class, but I don't use database now. But in my previous job before this, I used database a lot, and that helped me a lot. Okay. But nice. other classes, not a terrible amount. It's like what it, probably Caleb might have thought. Like, this is something you probably could have learned in your right. free time and get yeah. caught up in speed after a year or two. I got you. But they're forcing you to te- to learn it. So it's like, yeah. you know, and you probably are at the point now. It's almost like it's, it's this weird, um, not paradox, but it's this weird uh, occurrence where, like, you amass so much you know, information or, and you almost like don't realize how much it is that, you know, you know, especially when you find yourself immersed in this, you know, mainframe space, oh, yeah. you the don't, world is you don't even mainframe. Like yeah. the way it was described to me then, then in my operating systems classes, like IBM invented the mainframe like a thousand years ago. Yep. Hmm. Next topic. Oh, right. Really? Next that chapter. Was, that was, yeah. That, that was, was pretty much it. I mean, wow. I mean, they described it a little bit, well, of but course, like, but it was, can't remember anything. I mean, that's crazy. I kind of thought it was obsolete at the time. So yeah. Like, cool. Okay. I guess on me and my Alienware and laptop or whatever, <laughs> right? Typing, plucking away in class. Um, so uh, you say in your in like your past life, um, well, you didn't first start at IBM, but in your past life, you said that you you did some database work. Um, let's see, there there was um, this place, Viavi Solutions, JDSU. Was that where you were doing a lot of that stuff with yep. the database stuff? Yeah. yeah. So okay. it started off as JDSU, which is a telecommunications quality assurance company. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the bigger ones. And then I guess they had some sort of split off or whatever yeah. during my time there. And it's called Viavi Solutions now. Okay. So I did like full stack development there for a web application. Okay. This is where I did databases and um, front end development, right. of course, and everything in between. Now, had at that point, were you working with anything mainframe related? Not exactly. So there was a server room yeah. um, in the back, and they called it the server room, and they yeah. had the, like these IBM server blades, and they called it server blades. Uh-huh. And it was basically like a mainframe. Yeah. I just didn't know it was called a mainframe. Okay. So they called it blades. That's huh. what they called it within the shop or within Viavi. Like that was the model or something? Like uh, the, the It was used blades? to like um, pull in data for yeah. like Ethernet, um uh, coax, um, any any telecommunications and network data, yeah. they would use that to pull it in and feed it through that their mainframe there. Yeah. Oh wow. So uh, even before you got in here, you were using it, and maybe you didn't yeah. even realize it. I was connecting directly to yeah. it. I mean, it wasn't like a like um, what would they call like, it host connection emulator or anything like that. But right. like I would like telnet into it. Okay. And like. Yeah. communicate to it yeah, but yeah. i had no idea it was like a mainframe basically yeah that's crazy that's pretty cool so i i almost feel like the experience that you had is probably what a lot of developers now experience i mean not a lot because i mean there are certain there are some industries where you know mainframe is ubiquitous and there are other right. industries where i can imagine where it's maybe less so but I, today there are like the developers that are coming right out of college that are probably like tapping into the mainframe whether they know it or not oh yeah yeah, yeah. it's one way or another you're going to interact with it many times a day yeah. you just won't know it That's like cool. you have mm-hmm. a banking app you're you're connecting to a mainframe right there. yeah absolutely but i mean the conduit is like that is like an api oh, yeah, yeah, right yeah yeah, yeah. Something mm-hmm. it's just still crazy Easier to, the to, eyes, I suppose. yeah, yeah it's exactly crazy to think like the you know on the back end so uh, and then eventually you moved over um you moved over here 
made the right choice. Yeah. Um, you started off as a Java developer here, right? Yep. And you said your claim to fame was adding COBOL and PL1 refactoring capabilities to IDZ, which allowed mainframe developers to break up and clean up monolithic applications um, to, pinch it, to, pinch, to potentially make maintaining and initiation uh, for newer mainframe devs smoother. Yeah. yeah. So what... what can you talk to a little to me a, a little bit about the COBOL PO one refactoring and like how that actually enables smoother uh, transitioning for these devs, these new devs? Sure. Um, so, like you said, I came to IBM not too long ago, but when did you when did you first when did you get here? Three and a half years ago. Okay. All right. So, when I got my job, um, my job offer, they said you're going to work on Eclipse uh, plugin development for the mainframe. No idea what that meant, but you know they kind of sold it on me. Yeah, and I kind of wanted to try something new anyway. Well, let me ask you this, because uh, I mean I know, and Chris knows, and I know that you know, but a lot of people might not be familiar with Eclipse and Eclipse Foundation. Like, can you give me the three, four, five, six sentence? What is the Eclipse plugin? When you say Eclipse plugin, sure, it's like adding functionality to uh, an existing product. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Eclipse is an IDE. You can do editing for, I guess. Most people now use it for Java, but you can use it for pretty much any language that people have developed it for as far as language and parsing goes. Mm-hmm. So in our, in my case, um, I used to develop doing um, language and parsing support for COBOL and PO1, cool. Alpex, of course, on Eclipse. And we added that extension piece into the product so mainframe developers can use a more modern IDE instead of using a terminal. To do, to do their development. Okay, so maybe it sounds like it sounds like uh, the Eclipse plugin was predominantly used for Java development, but I, wouldn't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know about predominant, but like I would assume <laughs> Eclipse is used more for Java. Yeah. Currently, but I don't know the numbers exactly. You can use it for Python. You can use it for other sure. languages, C, C plus plus. Okay, but yeah. based off of the work that you did, it made it easier to operate in that. In that ID, that space, yep. it, it, uh, in in COBOL and PL one, yep, exactly. Oh, okay, all right, all right. So in regards to the refactoring, that was like one of the earlier tasks I was assigned to, and that was a very long running task because I didn't realize how complex it would be. I yeah. mean, you're refactoring. I mean, Eclipse kind of has a refactoring capability in it, but that's for Java, not okay. for COBOL and PL one. Oh wow! I, and I don't know COBOL and PL one, not the time. Yeah. So I had to like get ramped up on that. You had to learn COBOL and PL1 first. And because, so they, they handed you this project of like, hey, we want you to refactor yeah. COBOL and PL1. And then you're stepping into this like, okay, well, first of all, I don't know COBOL and PL1. Exactly. I'm happy to help, but I need to learn COBOL and PL1 first before I can even do this. And, I mean, right? any noob developer that comes to Z yeah. is not going to really know COBOL and PL1. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'm just generalizing but i i surely did not <laughs> we can safely say the majority of developers that are, are not familiar with the mainframe exactly. like they don't know cobol or pl1 so yeah they gave me this assignment okay. they, they said you know i mean this is one of the higher enhancements higher priority enhancements that customers have been asking for yeah and oh, wow so these three are right in there huh? oh yeah oh, that's yeah. awesome uh so i i mean i got ramped up to the point where i can somewhat use it i mean i'm not going to be call myself a mainframe developer or anything mm-hmm. like that but I knew how it's supposed to look like. I knew how it was supposed to be structured. Right? Yeah. Once I got to that point, it was more utilizing our language support that we already had for IDZ okay. in COBOL and P1 okay. and creating some sort of refactoring functionality. So um, these COBOL and PL1 programs have been 
available for like a long time, right? Mm-hmm. These shops, I yeah. mean, they're maintained, of course, but they've existed for since beginning of time, basically. <laughs> and they can be gigantic, uh, right. several thousands, tens of thousands. I don't know about hundreds of thousands, but tens of thousands of line. Okay. And imagine reading a text document that's just straight 30,000 lines, right? Right, yeah. It's, it's awful, right? That's why mm-hmm. books are broken up into pages, right? Yeah. Just to break it up a little bit. Sure. And chapters and whatnot. But um, so the idea was to break up these large monolithic COBOL programs, BL1 programs, into something smaller, containable that can be reused in other uh, COBOL PL1 okay. applications or to help readability or both. Yeah. So, so oh, wow. That's yeah. huge. You're the guy. You're the guy. Yeah. This is the guy right here. That's big time. So you, That's super big time. How long did it take for you to get ramped up to where you could uh, like understand COBOL and PL1? Because you had to like you had to learn the language, right? At least to, to get to some intermediate uh, level of comprehension, right? Oh, I mean, like, as far as like visual comprehension and understanding how it's pieced together, a few weeks, right? Really? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not going to like, I don't know how to develop it properly, right? Yeah. But I know how to like to set up a data data structure, okay. data elements and like that. And yeah. How to do display lines and, and, yeah. um, and performs. So, I mean, it's not super intense where I can make a, uh, application that makes sense, but you so it's like it's like it, it when you come from a, a, already knowing a few languages, is it's it just makes it easier to oh, pick yeah, this yeah. stuff up. Yeah, yeah, I mean they're not going to just throw a curveball at you and say yeah. like, hey, this is just some arbitrary thing. Yeah, like, you know it, it'll make sense. Eventually okay, in thirty what, years. What uh, what do you, what languages are are similar to COBOL and PL one? That modern languages? Do you, are there any? Zero. <laughs> I mean. I'm not very um, knowledgeable of a lot of languages. Beyond any of the ones I mean, that you know, it's I mean, it's a big difference between procedural and object oriented. Yeah, right? like yeah. in and yeah. in the what late '80s, early '90s is when object oriented sort of really came into yep. its own, mm. um, and uh, you know, procedural was considered legacy or like oh, yeah. this is blah. But like, I mean, it's like it's like Andrew said, you, you every almost every single person that has any kind of technology or a bank or health insurance or I mean, watches TV or like anything, right? Like has, has owned an automobile, right? Is, or has interacted with Mm. a mainframe. Hmm. Exactly. Yeah. I had a question. Oh, Uh, this, this might stay in or not, but I feel like there's some similarities between refactoring and compiling. Do you know that? Do you, do you f- okay. Factoring, compiling. Um, yeah, compiling, uh, compiling optimizes. Well, compiling, you know, might might in some cases take like uh, older version of COBOL and turn it into a new newer version to be able to completely to, to be able to um, take advantage of the new hardware architecture, right? Is when that, I think it's, of compiling, I think you you process a language into yeah. like a machine understandable. I, mean, I don't want to say language again, but basically a machine understandable language. Yeah, machine code, yeah, like machine assembler. Code. Yeah. Um, as far as refactoring goes, I mean, it has to compile <laughs> to to really have any value to it. So. Yeah. Is, well, <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'm looking at it wrong because refactoring is is that the can you define what the act of refactoring is? Sure. It's like taking a puzzle that's already been assembled. Mm-hmm. And maybe taking a fourth of it to create a sub puzzle, yeah. or taking a portion of it to make something 
smaller that, hey, I, I don't want to make the full 10,000 piece thing. I just want to work on a corner, right? And gotcha. then eventually that will extend to the main puzzle through a call statement or something like that. Mm, and other puzzles that share that similar picture piece yeah, of yeah. that, that quarter. Exactly. Okay. So going back to the, going back to like that, that, that 30,000 page of code, you're not, um, maybe, maybe you are to some degree, but you're not necessarily adding or subtracting, but rather you're rearranging to where you can have those chapters and have those pages, right? Exactly. Like everything yeah. stays there. It's just you're organizing it in such a way to where it like, it's, it's more modular, yep. right? Yep. More okay. modular, more readable. Yeah. There is another refactoring capability I did, which was, um, it was called unused, what was it? Make it up, man. We don't know. <laughs> unused <laughs> variable identifier or something like that. Identify okay. unused variables. So in these huge programs, there's a potential of a lot of unused data structures mm -hmm. that are just hanging out there. Yeah. So I created an analysis to do to minimize all that unused data. Oh, wow. Part, right? I mean, it sounds fancy, but I mean... No, that's cool. It, it just it, minimizes the program. Where can I find that? Is that in IDZ? Oh, yeah, that's in IDZ as well. It's under refactoring capability. And what and what makes it even more of a big deal is that what Andrew said about like you know the 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 whole amount of content in each one of these modules programs whatever you want to call it a thirty thousand line program is average if not even below average like I've seen program for Cobol I've seen for oh for mainframe for, for mainframe okay. yeah I've seen I've seen I've seen Cobol programs that have been upwards of 80 to 100,000 lines. I've seen 150,000 line copybooks. Like the amount of content, the amount mm. of information is just, un imagine, imagine that we didn't have the tools we have today. And imagine that, you know, Chris H is a brand new programmer on the dev team. Manager walks in, just plops a stack of applications down on your desk. It says here, go forth and maintain. Mm. But, in, but, maybe historically maintaining has looked like and i don't want to say like sinking ship but maybe let's just say like it's an old ship and there's a, a hole that needs to be plugged and so right. you're sitting there and you're whittling corks and you're putting a cork in a hole and then all of a sudden like another you see another leak and you're like whittling a cork and so it's like now you have that's why probably you have this 150 200,000 lines of code because it's like it's been hacked you, together you don't have like yeah. this you don't have like this uh really great or holistic view of what the app what the what that code base looks like it's just like you just um what is it, how does the saying go the forest for the trees you don't see the forest through the trees i feel like that i don't really know how that's how you that saying applies i feel like it applies here oh, though yeah, yeah. right like you, you just out there yeah. you know or like you're maybe you're just like in a dark room and you're only like paying attention to what's within arm's reach you know and then and that's it, the whole issue what right? is the, what are the what's there was like a role-playing a few role-playing games where it was like this like this fog of war where you you know, you can only see like the, was it like, like Starcraft or something like yes, that? Yes. Yep. Exactly. That's go. exactly what it's like. You can only see what gets to me, you know, and then you, you know, anyway, when you first came here, you, um, you were, you, were you, were you, were you, were you, were you, were you first a build and packaging specialist or did that come after? I came the, after okay. as a software developer. Um, I can't remember how long after, basically we had a build engineer here, John, and he was pretty swamped. He needed yeah. someone to help him with what he's doing because it's only one man. And I mean, I, I guess I had spare cycle, cycles at the time okay. to do what I can. And yeah. I kind of wanted to learn as much as I can just yeah. to get my feet wet, get sure. ramped up because I knew I was in over my head, but I yeah. knew there was a lot <laughs> that you didn't know that went into this product, right? Okay. 
Uh, there's a lot of history, like Chris mentioned previously, like this, this product's 15, 20, something years yeah. old. So there's a lot of history. So I wanted to help him because he knew how to package it. And he's been the package guy for since he's been with IBM 30, 35 yeah. years or whatever. So I knew he had a lot to pass down as far as information. Okay. So as a build and packaging engineer, what does that role look like? What, you, what, what are your responsibilities? You kind of get to see the whole product from that high view. Mm-hmm. Um, so you kind of see how it's all put together as far as adding functionality like refactoring, adding functionality, functionality like um, broken control flow or even adding a sub-product like ZOS Explorer into mm-hmm. IDZ. So you kind of see how it all works together, how they play together, okay. and how a user would use it, how a user would want to install it, right? Okay. You can see, because it's kind of modular in a way. You can you don't have to install IDZ entirely for its face value. You can break it up into smaller pieces mm-hmm. and install like a lighter version of IDZ if you want. Right. Hmm. So when you are done, um, so your role as the build and packaging specialist or engineer would be to maybe walk through the process that a customer would? Yeah, okay. yeah, I would definitely walk through a process. Okay. I would always, um, if anything gets added in, I would see how I would use it, and hopefully it would be simple enough to where I won't have to ask anybody how how I want to use this functionality, how I want to install this yeah. piece of this new thing from IDZ. Okay, and then when you're done with what you need to do, what's what's the next step after that? After your 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 fit, does it does it does it then move to the Aqua team to to deliver that to the customer? Yeah. Or? So once I get that wrapped up and a bow tied around it, um, we do push it up to the release train. Mm-hmm. That's like another group above us that will take all these products and they'll do a sanity check as far as com- installing all these products. Okay. Uh, into one environment. Yeah. And then they'll push it up to mainframe dev or whatever whatever it will be in the future. Okay. And that's the like your aqua people. Yep, oh, okay. Exactly. And that's where you are now, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So we're like going through the the stages here, and they call it a release train, right? Yeah. That's it's like they... a train of products. So yeah. I guess. I mean, I don't know why they call it a release train. I kind of came in. They just all started calling themselves that. We have a train that but that that. that, <laughs> that um, yeah, maybe that, the original guy. There's a train. There's train. train tracks right outside here that every 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 like other hour or something you can hear the the uh, the horn. Is that, that a horn? passenger train? Yeah, but I, can, I mean, who knows? Maybe an old a d- old developer, you know, 50 years ago was like, "What do we call this thing?" You know, something that's like has rails, you know, and is like consistently on time, and you know, you know really noisy. As as much know? planning <laughs> and things that people think that like. Product names, like processes, band names, right, like, right. you know, serial names. As much as everybody thinks that, like, there's, like, a think tank of, like, 50 people in a room, like, you know, with post-it notes putting, no. Most, it's, it's what, that's what Chris is trying to say is that probably some, some person just looking out a window would be like, oh, train, release train, yep. ship it. I wish you I know what I mean? Synchronicity. Yeah, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly, right? I'm curious to know, like, you know, looking back if, you know, if there's anything that you would have done differently and maybe if you have any, because wait, how old are you? You're 28. Eight. Eight. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe, I don't know, you're not mid-career, but you're still early career, right? right. Not mm-hmm. not the earliest career, but looking back at me, if there's anything that you would do different and also if you have any recommendations for, you know, like, you know, early 20s employees that, that want to learn more or acclimate better. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like... What do you what do you think that's anything I would do differently? Yeah. It's getting deep now. It's like a Dr. Phil 
Uh, Oprah show. Yeah. yeah. Anything I would do differently. <laughs> um, I guess I'd probably want to focus more if I was younger. Like I was kind of all over the place as far as what I wanted to do and how I prioritized uh, what I wanted to do professionally. Like, oh, what was it? Uh, what what uh, what were you exploring at the time? Like for 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 you know different lines of work, I guess, or different careers. What 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 kind of some of the things that you thought you might want to do? Well, I don't know if I would say like that. So I went to ECU because they had a strong music program, and that's why I went to originally. I didn't, okay. I didn't really consider computer science <laughs> as an option, really. Yeah. And that was half the reason. The other half the reason is uh, it was a huge party school. Oh, yeah. Right? It's, it's, <laughs> it's like notorious. Yeah. yeah. I've been there. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I moved down here when I was way yeah. past college age. They're but actually, my younger brother was in like senior year of high school. Yeah. Which, it's, you know, of course, we're not going to – this is probably going to make it into the podcast. But no. either way, yeah, I've been down there yeah. a couple times. And let me tell you, you all know how to party. Like, it's a different world. Hardy party. party. Yeah. Um, aggressive. Aggressive. Yeah, just aggressive ag- party. Aggressive extracurricular That activities. was weird for me because when I was in high school, I was, mm. I was kept to myself. I yeah. mean, mm-hmm. obviously, I would hang out and talk to my friends. But, like, I never partake in anything yeah. that was too intense, right? Right. Mm-hmm. ECU. I mean, night and day. I, yeah, yeah, basically, like I, I lived that to the fullest. Yeah, basically. Okay. All right. So you Telling had that you. college experience. So, at what? So, like, at what point did you? I don't know. Narrow your focus. Uh, when I was on academic probation for two semesters straight. Oh, right? beautiful. Uh, at that point, it's like, hey, you know, my parents are paying for this. Yeah. I have to pay for this now. Yeah. Maybe I should stop messing around. Okay. Maybe I should focus on something. Music isn't really working out to how I want it to be. I mean, yeah. It was kind of like a like a job basically at that point practicing yep. six, eight, ten hours a day over yep. and over and over again. And, and and you'd probably already been doing that with swimming too because that's pretty demanding Oh, yeah, yeah. As well, I basically right? stopped swimming in college as yeah. well. So, yeah. um, And I wanted to try something else. And I've helped my parents set up their computer. I have helped them, you know, when you help your parents set up random technical stuff around the house, like, hey, that's pretty close to computer science, right? Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> I, don't, I have no idea. <laughs> I am a computer scientist, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I was like, let's give this a shot. And it was extremely difficult. It was, obviously, it's nothing like music, right? But it wasn't what I was expecting as yeah. far as algorithms and mm-hmm. learning all these, it's basically math on steroids, right? Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but pattern recognition, though, from yeah, being a musician, yeah. that's one of the things that, I I, bet, yeah. that I've boiled down to yeah. why so many musicians are in IT. Pattern recognition. Oh, yeah. I mean, you see, you see patterns because you're used to hearing and playing things in small chunks and yeah. repeatable phrases and things like that so it's unit level exactly unit work, yeah. level hashtag yeah. unit level yeah i mean that's how i fake it till i make it now it's that's i right. do a lot of patterns and mm-hmm. i try to like stick to a certain pattern of course improving it and modifying it for the certain job but that's cool so enterprise design thinking right there is yes. consistently in uh what is it it's um restless reinvention yeah or an yes. iterative prototyping yes um all right, so what's the, there's like a eh, man. I hope somebody on this uh, that's listening knows what I'm talking about. But there's like this really famous, um, there's this famous uh, line. It's uh, I don't know, it's like an idiom or from a play or something. It's like a, you know, it's it's like um, it's similar to like when your back is against the wall. You know, you, oh, yeah, you, sure. you, you're like forced into making a decision. Yeah. You know, like when you when you're on ab- academic probation. You know, like it's just like that's that is like the inciting, um, the, the inciting thing that 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 motivates you one way or the other. You know, you're just like, wow, I've I've got 
really no choice here, you know. And I was already two, two and a half years in. Yeah. Like I needed to make a choice immediately and yeah. I had to get my, my stuff together and yeah. That's cool. go so forward. It's like, it's like a blessing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um and and actually and and, and proof that uh you know, you can dreams do come true. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'd be true. up now, of course. Yeah. I'd be I'd look everything at that. I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, all right. So, um, who knows, man, maybe that wasn't such a bad thing that that happened to you. So, um, and then what else? So like, uh, uh clearly you like the mainframe. Oh yeah. Um, Best thing ever. so <laughs> I agree. So it's, um, it's difficult to learn about it when you're in school and you're not in the industry. So like what, uh, like how, like if I, you know, if I was out on the street, you know, how, I mean, how, how, how could I learn more about it? Like, what do you think? Where, where should, where should my focus be if I want to learn more about this on stuff? The street. So I would see it more in like the digital streets, right? Cause yeah. if you follow people or connected with people who mm-hmm. are in the mainframe space, yeah. they'll share or they'll talk about certain articles and okay. in, in certain areas. And Obviously, they're passionate about it. Yeah. They're talking about it. So I like to like read into those okay. just to understand. I mean, as far as face to face in the street, I don't it, think anybody's real thinking of mainframe. Yeah. Um, between the walls, though, I mean, there's a lot of mainframe veterans here. Yeah. And they have a ton of knowledge. Yeah. I mean, so much knowledge that it'll probably never, never be passed down because they just can't remember every nook and cranny yeah. of everything they learn. Yeah. Um, I I was on Slack and I asked a question. It was a um. I don't even remember what it was. It's something. It was something. It was a very specific Z-related question. I was. I was working in the. I think I was working at ISPF at the time. Oh, there's this little red guy. He's got these little, little red hands when you do something that the, that it doesn't like. And I couldn't figure out how to like exit out of it. And I asked this question, and like within minutes, like ten people yeah. were like, "Oh, this you got to do this." This is like, holy crap! This is amazing. Like right. I, this yeah. is a this is a great community. Um, you mentioned like websites and things like that. So like, what are like, what are you, what are you into? Like, what do you read in, in terms of like, you know, just staying up to date on the mainframe stuff? Staying, so, I mean, I, yeah. as far as uh, staying up to date mainframe is whatever people share on LinkedIn. Okay. That so LinkedIn's I, I a good follow one. Okay. And in the mainframe space, um, I try to detach myself, I guess, from like <laughs> technology yeah. a little bit when I get home. I, I mean, I like, I hear that. like, uh, like, pedal to the floor pretty much when I'm here. Yeah. So yeah. kind of just want to slow down and just like think about anything else at that point. Yeah. That balance is important. I know that, I mean, LinkedIn, LinkedIn has a bunch of mainframe groups on LinkedIn also. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. um, I know that we have got devops.com is a good one. There's a mainframe subreddit. So that's, that's mm-hmm. a, that's a pretty cool one. That's now, just on them internets. You start yeah. talking about like, we have share, we yeah. have oh, yeah. tech you, we have think, we I have, know, I know there's a lot of medium.com writers that do a lot of main, actually Caleb, good old Caleb. He's got a lot of stuff on Caleb medium. Porter. He's, he's a Caleb Mustafa Porter. He's a great, he's a great guy. Um, okay. I'm, I'm. Chris is giving me the Chris is giving me the look right now, so I think we need to wrap it up. Yeah, we're at um, at capacity, friend. Yeah, but I think uh, I think this has been helpful. I think this has been pretty entertaining. I don't think I know that I've enjoyed this. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Andrew. Way better. Here. Yeah, way thank better you. than Caleb's. All right, man. Well, let's wrap it up here. Thanks again, and uh, enjoy your weekend. Yeah. Talk to you guys soon. Yeah, thanks. Yeah.